as he transformed the world through faith, hope, and love in Jesus. Right now, I want to introduce your speaker today. You're in for a treat. Uh, Pastor Pete Santucci has become a close friend of mine. Uh, Pete is planting a church here in Bend, and he is able to unpack God's Word in a way that is encouraging, it's stimulating, and challenging. And today, I want to encourage you, if you're interested more in what Crux is doing and what Pastor Pete is going to be doing here in Bend, I give you permission to seek him out, uh, to even see what it means to be a part of his team. We believe in the church, that God has a plan, and that he has a greater plan even here uh, in Bend. So with that said, uh, would you welcome Pastor Pete Santucci as he continues our Summer in the Psalm series. Give him a huge hand and a journey welcome. Give it up. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you guys this morning. And uh, I love Keith. Isn't he a great guy? I mean, I um, it's just been, been really cool to me to, to be embraced by him as, um, as a friend, as a fellow pastor and church planter. And uh, as he said, you know, if, if you're interested in what we're doing, um, Crux, which is our community and journey, uh, are, are looking to, to partner together uh, in the kingdom of God. And that's one of the things I love about Keith is he's not just about a church. He's about God's kingdom and what God is doing in the world. So... Um, why don't you pray with me as um, we prepare to hear God's word? Gracious God, we are so grateful to you that you haven't just left us out here on our own to figure out this life, but that you have spoken and spoken so well to us in your scriptures, and we can hear your voice speaking to us through them, and we can know who you are as you reveal yourself, and we can also know who we are as we respond to you. So, Lord, I pray that you will speak to me, to each of us this morning as we hear from the Psalms. We pray this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. My wife, uh, Charlene, who's sitting right there in the middle, and I just uh, celebrated 20 years of marriage. Not bad, eh? So we, we, um, we took a trip to celebrate our marriage and went up to Canada and uh, had, a, had a great week up there. And we, we rented a car, this cheap uh, little car, as cheap as we can afford or as cheap as we could get. And um, so it got good gas mileage, but it also had satellite radio, which I thought was pretty cool. And, and there's pretty much a station for every single thing, right? I don't know if any of you have that, but any mood you're in, there's a station for it. And in a way, I think of the psalms as similar to satellite radio. There, there is a psalm for every single thing that we go in. The great uh, reformer, John Calvin, referred to the psalms as the anatomy of the soul. There's, there's something that, that the psalms open up who we are in prayer before God. And that, that's huge. It just, doesn't just show us um, how we feel, but, but moves are from our, our feelings to prayer. So there, there are psalms which have conflicting emotions going on at the same time, like Psalm 38, which uh, talks about um, the difficulty of being betrayed by, by those who are really close, and yet at the same time, this desire to praise God 
because of his great salvation. So you got these conflicting emotions going on at the same time. And so if, if I were to look for a song that had that same sort of vibe going on, it would be something like this. So happy emotion, but bitter lyrics going on at the same time. Very, very similar to Psalm 38. Now there are other Psalms like Psalm 150, which just go on and on in praise of, of God, Psalm 148. And they might sound something like this. But there, we'll get to that one. But there are some emotions, some feelings that we have, which we wonder whether there is an appropriate way for us to, to pray this. I mean, it, the, there certainly couldn't be a psalm that expressed this kind of emotion. But sometimes, don't we boil over? Sometimes isn't, isn't anger one of those emotions that, that just catches us by surprise? We can be feeling great, and then all of a sudden something happens, something's said to us, and then all of a sudden this deep-seated feeling comes up for us. And I, I think sometimes when, when we think about Jesus and being a Christian and the Bible and all of that, we, we we don't see that there being a place for such deep-seated emotion like anger. But Calvin was right. The Psalms are the anatomy of the soul. God wants us to pray out of every corner of our lives, even the dark corner, and probably especially the dark corner. He wants, he wants us to know and love him in every aspect of who we are. The thing is, is that we're not very good at praying some of these darker emotions. James Houston uh, pointed out that um, we spend all these years going to school learning how to think, but who is it who has taught us how to feel? And the Psalms do that, but even more than teaching us how to feel, they teach us how to pray those feelings. So the, the Psalm that we're going to look at today, the main Psalm, is Psalm 137. This psalm is the gnarliest psalm in all, 150. Let me give you a little bit of background for Psalm 137. God had told his people, the Hebrews, the Jews, that if they abandoned him, they would suffer the consequences for it. And boy, did they ever suffer those consequences. The Babylonians invaded Israel. They destroyed the walls of the capital city of Jerusalem because they wanted to make sure that the, the Israelites never rebelled against them. They destroyed the temple and took all of the gold and silver out of it. And back then, the basic idea was, was if 
one country defeated another country, it was, it was basically the same thing as the god of that country eating the god of the other ones. The Babylonians also took all of the, the best and brightest, the smartest, the most accomplished people and stole them, took them back to Babylon. They took the royal family. And then they had the king um, and they took his royal family and they killed every member of the royal family in front of him and then plucked his eyes out. Our experience on 9-11 was horrifying. It was a terrible thing. But in comparison to what they experienced, it was just one day. They experienced so much more. The prophet Jeremiah, who not only wrote the book of the Bible that bears his name, book of Jeremiah, he also wrote another book uh, called Lamentations. Last week, uh, Keith talked about Psalm 119 being an acrostic psalm, an A to Z. The book of Lamentations is also an acrostic, an A to Z um, book, but it's the A to Z of grief. And in it, uh, Jeremiah uh, laments or grieves over the destruction of Jerusalem. And he writes about people being taken off in meat hooks. And, it, and it, then he writes about something just horrible. He talks about people being so hungry that women boiled their infants to eat them. My, my, my imagination can't even go there. So that's the background of Psalm 137. So let's, let's uh, take a look at Psalm 137 now. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept. You can imagine why. When we remembered Zion, that's Jerusalem, there on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked for us, us for songs, our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. And now the song kind of turns from a blues song into, I don't know, a metal song or a gangster rap song. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Now... Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rock. That's probably the most scandalous verse in the Bible, that last one. That word happy is actually the word blessed. And it, it includes happiness, but it also includes God's favor, God's um, power for that person to succeed. So the psalmist is saying, Happy, blessed is the person who smashes babies, not pumpkins, babies. Now, I've been angry, but I've not been this angry. So what's going on here? Why, why is this psalm in the Bible? Why those words here in the Bible? I mean, if you think about it, the psalms are, are the songbook of God's people. This is this, imagine singing this psalm in church on Sunday morning. Um, 
I don't think we'd be clapping afterwards like we, we were earlier. What Psalm 137 does is it gives me range for praying. It, it enables me to pray all the way up to this point. I've never had to pray all the way up to this point. But it says all that, those emotions that you feel, you can pray those all the way up to even including this. Let me tell you a story. Um, a few years ago, there was a woman who had just started attending the, the church where I was pastoring at the time. And um, she wanted to meet with me to talk about the church and whether to be a part of it. And, and one of her issues was she wanted to know how we would deal with her since um, she was living with um, the father of her son and they weren't married at the time. And so, so we had, had a great conversation. But then she called me up a few weeks later to meet again. And she said that she had been diagnosed with MS, uh, multiple sclerosis. And that when she had told her boyfriend about it, he said, whoa, I didn't sign up for this, packed up his stuff, and left her and their son, Henry, in the lurch. Just when she needed him the most, he was gone. She was angry about this, as you might imagine. So we spent some time talking through practical details, how we as a church could support her during this time. But then, then I asked her, so how are you praying about this? And she said, well, I, I say help a lot. I said, that's great. That's a good start. How are you praying about the anger part, though? And she said, to be honest, I'm not praying about it. I, I don't know how to pray my anger. And I said, well, let's take a look at Psalm 137. So we read Psalm 137, I said, so do you think you can pray that? And she said, oh, there's no way I could pray that. That's just, that's horrible. I said, exactly, it is horrible. But what you need to know is that God didn't answer that prayer with a yes. There are lots of things that we are able to pray to God with the security of knowing that he gets to decide yes or no. So there's a freedom. You can pray all the way up to this point, knowing that he might say no. But in the process, I've handed over my anger to God. Psalm 109 is similar to, to Psalm 137 uh, in that I, I don't believe that God answered this prayer with a yes either. But, um, but Psalm 109 is almost worse. It's not as extreme as Psalm 137, but it's meticulous as it goes bit by bit through this person's life, praying that God will just pull it to pieces. So let's take a look at Psalm 109, starting with verse 6 and going to verse 13. Show him how it feels. Let lies be told about him and bring him to court before an unfair judge. When his case is called for judgment, let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sins. Let his years be few and brief. Let others step forward to replace him. May his children become fatherless and his wife a widow. May they be evicted from the ruins of their home. May creditors seize his entire estate and strangers take all he has earned. Let no one be kind to him. Let no one pity his fatherless children. May they die. May his family name be blotted out in a single generation. Wow. That's in the Bible. Hard, hard to imagine, but there it is. 
But the thing is, is we need psalms like this. We, we need to be able to pray our anger because the, the fact is, is that if we don't pray it, we're going to retain it. We're going to keep it. We need to be able to, to feel it, and we need to be able to offer it over to God. I don't know if you, any of you are, are movie buffs, but uh, Quentin Tarantino has made a career out of movies about revenge. Revenge is what happens when we don't pray our anger. So his most latest uh, Django Unchained is a revenge movie against slave owners. And the one before that, Inglorious Bastards, was a revenge movie against Nazis. Each of these are, are things that took place decades ago, but, but the anger is still there because it's not been prayed. When we don't pray our anger, it, it stays with us. It, it turns inward, and it eats us up inside. And even then, we can't stuff it in there forever. It will come out. Every marriage has its, its tough spots. Um, figured this out after 20 years. You simply can't put two sinners right next to each other without them, well, sinning. And if you've got a close view of another sinner right there with you, it, you're going to feel it that much more. Now, now generally with, with marriages, they start out um, real nice and happy, and, and we call that the honeymoon period. A friend of mine refers to that as uh, deferred judgment, where where basically you experience things that, um, that you don't like in your spouse. And in the beginning, you're like, you know, that's kind of cute, and, and I, or I can handle that, you know, look, at, look how great we are, we can forgive each other. But after a while, you start, go, start to say, wait a minute, I really don't like that. And you finally get to the point of dealing with, um, with each other's sin. So... My wife and I, we figured that out, that we are sinners living in proximity to each other. But just like people coming off their, their honeymoon period, when that happened to me, I thought, wait a minute, this was supposed to be the perfect marriage. What's, what's going on here? So I sought out the counsel of, of an older and wiser mentor. And if you don't have somebody older and wiser to, to go to, um, boy, search out somebody. In fact, um, my folks are over there. My mom's the one in the wheelchair, and my dad's next to her, Hugo and Kathleen. They're, they're great people. If you don't have somebody, go seek them out. Um, you, you don't end up in a wheelchair without a depth of life experience. And you don't stay married to somebody in a wheelchair without depth of life experience. And w alongside that, also a depth of biblical knowledge. Um, those two together, great stuff. Uh, so go seek that out. But anyway, I, I went and sought out um, Dr. Houston. And, um, and I told him just about my confusion about, you know, marriage is difficult. What's going on here? And he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out into the wooded area uh, near your apartment. And I want you to yell how you feel to God. But you just don't yell at your wife. You don't speak out of the anger to Charlene. Now, I wish that I had always taken his advice, but it was great advice. 
if you don't pray it, you'll kick the dog or someone else. And if you don't pray, again, it, it stays with you. As we say in our home, um, do the, the song from Frozen Thing. Let it go. When we pray, we hand it over to God. But we don't, and we don't just hand it over into the air. We don't just get into our car and crank up the radio to that, that song that, that connects with our, our angry feelings at the time and just sing it out into the nothingness. We don't trust our anger with, to nothingness. We need to entrust it to the one who is going to judge justly, to the one that we can trust to say yes or no as is appropriate. The only one we can entrust our anger to is God. So where, where does all this anger come from? Now, you may be thinking, no, I'm not that angry of a person. Uh, our neighbors tell us that, the, that a few years ago, there was a guy who lived in the house that we, we live in now who was a rager. Uh, he'd crank up the ACDC and go in the backyard and grab uh, big chunks. We have lots of lava rock in there. And he'd throw them from one side of the yard to the other and, and just yell. You may be thinking, yeah, see, I'm not like that. I'd, I'm, I'm no rager. But I'm guessing that there's a few of us who won't get five blocks from this building after worship, after we've sung these great songs, and somebody's going to cut us off, and we're going to want to flip them off. Anger just pops up in us all the time. If we're honest about this last week, and if we're honest during this coming week, we, we will be just shocked at how often anger just keeps popping up. So where, where does this anger come from? In James chapter 4, uh, we read that, that it comes from our desires. James writes, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes this anger? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? We want something, and we don't get it. We want to do something, but we're not allowed to do it. We, we want to be something, and we, just, we aren't able to become that. We want things to turn out in a certain way, and it just doesn't work out for us. In other words, we struggle with our lack of control over the details of our lives. We, we want to be in control of our circumstances, and we just aren't. When I'm stuck in traffic, I'm not in control, and all of a sudden there's anger. When my sports team loses, I discover that I'm not in control, and sometimes, more often than not, there's anger that comes with it. When I tell my kids to do something and they don't do it, when my boss tells me I'm not working hard enough, when somebody says something about me that drags my reputation through the mud, when... Um, when somebody else gets the promotion that I'm, I work so hard for, when somebody lets me down, when somebody betrays me, when somebody speaks bad, all of these are circumstances where I don't have control, where I wish that things would turn out this way, but instead they've turned out that way, and my desires have been foiled, and there's anger. So we need to not only pray our anger to God, Wait, we really ought to be praying our desires to God too, saying, Lord, this is what I want, even before things go our way or don't go our way. 
And what do you know? There are other psalms that deal with that. Okay. So what about Jesus? We have to, Jesus, doesn't he say something about forgiving? Doesn't he say something about praying for and blessing our enemies? So how does praying our anger fit with Jesus? I mean, aren't we supposed to be following Jesus? And, um, first of all, Jesus prayed the Psalms. When he's dying on the cross, two times Jesus quotes from the Psalms. If somebody's dying and they quote from something, that thing has been deeply embedded in who they are. So Jesus obviously was very, um, these Psalms had become very much a part of, of who he was, that they come out then. The other thing that we need to know, know about the psalm, this psalm in particular, is that it's a beginning prayer. This is not where we end up. This is where we start. So back to that story about um, the woman with MS who got ditched by her boyfriend. A few weeks after uh, we'd had our conversation about Psalm 137, we got together again and I said, so how's it going? Um, have you gotten to the bottom of your anger? Have you prayed to the bottom of your anger yet? And she said, nope, not yet. There's a lot more. So I said, okay, well, keep on with it. And uh, we got together another few weeks later and I said, so how's it going? She says, you know, I, I think, think I'm to the bottom now. And I said, all right. Now that you've dealt with that part, let's move on to forgiveness. And she said, wow, that's going to be tough. But she was ready now. She was ready to, to move from the depth of that anger to forgiving. Jesus and his forgiveness are our goal. Just praying the anger, that's the beginning part. It's not the end. Sin and evil should make us angry. It's not okay. But hopefully as we, we pray our anger back to God and we say, Lord, Lord, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. This is what I wish would happen to the, this other person. We've entrusted him with our feelings. And hopefully as time goes on, he moves us to the point of forgiveness. Now, if I were to boil everything that I've said, down, said to you this morning down to one image, it would be this. When we're angry, it's going to go somewhere. We can't just stuff it. So it's either, either we're going to speak to God about it or it's going to come out to other people. God can handle our anger in ways that no one else can. And he invites us to turn it over to him, to let it go to him. Let him be the one who judges. Pray with me. Gracious God, these are our difficult psalms, but we are so grateful that uh, you have given them to us, that you have, have opened to us the ability to pray every aspect of who we are, including the dark and ugly parts of who we are. Lord, we are, are grateful that you, um, that you have taken our sin upon us on yourself, that um, the anger that should have been against us, you took that. And instead of being, pouring your anger on us, you have poured out forgiveness and love and joy and peace. So Lord, we pray that you enable us 
to shout it all out to you, that we might truly live in the joy of your forgiveness. Amen.